I'm sorry, you, I didn't mute myself while I was drinking the water. Oh, I normally do. No! What a terrible recording faux pas that was. <laughs> Precipitous fall in recording standards. I'm, uh, I know this wasn't what you're doing, but I had a sip of water and I thought precipitous was a pun for a second. <laughs> and I was going to be like, well done. And then I was like, that's not what he's fucking most, most of my puns are he's deeply just, unconscious. He's just using a word. Yes. Yeah. It's bound to happen from time to time that I use a word. Welcome to Drock, the monthly visit to the hellscape that is Mega City One in the twenty-second question mark century. I can never remember which century uh, Judge Dredd takes place, and let me check the future. It is the twenty-second century. We are reading through the, uh, Judge Dredd: The Complete Case Files, volume by volume, on a monthly basis, visiting the history of. The future's greatest lawman, as I think he would never call himself. My name is Graham McMillan, and with me is my talented and occasionally putting me off by laughing too much co-host. Jeff Lester, hello. And I have to say it was very hard not to, as a joke, come uh, unmute myself midway through me saying this. So um, you're welcome, everyone. And greetings. That's the introductions that we like. Uh, we're doing Case Files Volume 30 this time, which is material from 2080 Progs 1141 to 1164 and Magazine Volume 3, Issues 52 through 59, all of which was published in 1998 and 1999, all of which was written by John Wagner, all of which is kind of telling one story, albeit a very complicated, some would say too complicated story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and has an army of artists behind it. Uh, Cam Kennedy's in here doing some great work. Mick McMahon's in here doing some great work. Mm-hmm. Very off-model, but so good. Simon Davis is here. Neil Goodge is here. Charlie Adlard's here. A, a pre-Walking Dead Charlie Adlard's here. And Colin Wilson does some amazing-looking work in here. Yeah, there, this is this is an astonishing collection of artists. Not always deployed well, which I think is at odds with the way that 2008 has been using artists mm-hmm. for the last few volumes, but here there are definitely some mistakes made, shall we say. Talking about mistakes, if you're reading Complete Case Files Volume 30 like we are, there's also a mistake in the credits. Oh, really? Yeah, the Narcos Collection, which is the first magazine story, mm-hmm. is credited to Peter Doherty, and he does not fucking draw that story at all. It's Andrew Curry. Oh, thank if, you. If, if, like me, you're like, this doesn't look like Peter Doherty's work. I actually went back to volume 29 and looked at his work and was like, no. I mean, sometimes you get an artist that totally reinvents themselves. Sometimes you get an artist drawing Judge Dredd who totally reinvents himself, as we know. But that seemed like a huge jump. And and I'm really glad that you that you did the follow-up because I'm like, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't seem right. So, oh, Graham, speaking of not seeming right, uh, as you know, we do record these live in Mega City One, uh, usually from uh, a different block. Uh, where are we recording from tonight? We're at Pedro Pascal Block. Oh, for, nice. um, for Netflix fans, we're at Pedro Pascal Block. I've talked about this in the past, like, this is a crossover volume, and in theory, 
every story in this volume is part of the same story. Yeah. It is the first time maybe ever, or at least since the Necropolis era, that the entire volume basically reads like one story. Except it doesn't. Yeah. So this is a crossover between 2000D and the magazine. And the way it's collected in the case files is you get all the 2000D material and then you get all the magazine material. Which in theory works because they are telling connected but different stories. But in practice, really doesn't work for my no. money. No, I agree. Uh, and I think that it actually works against the material being told here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In part because the structure of it, and we'll, we'll sort of get into specifics in a moment. But Dread is taken out of Mega City 1. Mm-hmm. And by the time he returns, a lot has happened. And the magazine issues are what has happened. And so to get that after the fact... <laughs> Mm-hmm. And after the closure of that storyline in the 2008 issues is really, really weird and awkward, I think. So, yes, I, I totally agree with you. I think it's it's worth pointing out that um, apparently uh, Wagner himself was unhappy with uh, having to do basically more or less, I believe, according to Throw Power Overload, more or less vowed not to write a mega epic to appear in multiple comics again. Um, quote, it forces the storyline into directions you don't want it to go. So, uh... And to be clear, I think you can feel his dissatisfaction here, which is a shame. There is a lot to love here. Mm-hmm. But there is also, I think, a visible evidence that Wagner loses interest in the story as it yes. goes along. Yeah, yeah. Because it starts so strongly. Mm-hmm. Like the first two chapters for what a better way of putting it, the Cam Kennedy arc and the Simon Davis arc. Yes. Are are as good as this has been in in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Like it's so fucking good. Yeah. And then as you get into sort of the 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 Mega City oneness of it. Mm-hmm. It, they're, they're really interesting ideas, I think, and there's a lot of fun touches, but it feels, especially the War Games chapter, which is the one that has like seven different artists in, in eight episodes or whatever, mm-hmm. um, it feels like Wagner is just playing for time. That's interesting. I I think that there's a couple of different factors going on here, which is... Uh, uh, to take kind of a stab at, at, at embellishing upon your overview, Graham, um, for those people, I think a quick nickel tour um, should suffice. Basically, the Narcos connection, old uh, Nero Narcos, who we've seen in previous volumes setting up a, 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 a very wicked um, master plan that he's been slowly putting into peace, place. Um, finally comes to fruition. Uh, But interestingly enough, one of the things that makes uh, the first 80 pages or so of this so fucking fantastic is the move by which um, Dread is removed from the city in part to have things happen is that Orlok, the... uh, assassin as he's almost always known who started the block mania that was the prelude to the apocalypse war um 
has been alive for people like Graham or deep, what's versed readers of the 2000 idea verse apparently orlock has developed some history with uh Cy judge anderson as well um and so anderson actually uh pops up through uh the story has a very strong presence here um dread is removed essentially by orlock who you know comes to earth uh, after a 20 million cred bounty has been put on Judge Dredd's head by the remnants of uh what do they call Sov is it Sov Meg One or do East they East Meg have... One. It's East Meg One. Thank you. East Meg One, the Sov City that that Dredd destroys at the end of the Apocalypse War. Um what remains of it is in tatters surviving in a kind of uh, diaspora state in a um, group of sort of similar semi-refugees in a watery city. Is it, do they say, I forget, the Mediterranean zone or something like that. Somehow they have gotten the 20 million credits together to put a, put a bounty out on, on Dred's head. Orlock, who has been living a sort of peaceful life uh, in hiding slash sort of purgatory um, doing basically a, a quiet farm hand working for, for humble aliens off world. Once he hears about um, Dredd's bounty, he realizes he has to come and collect Dredd and bring him to justice as Orlok is. Because of course, understandably Orlok blames dread for the destruction of um east east meg i really have to write that down anyway that part is unbelievably gripping stuff incredibly well told by wagner the art is fantastic just the fact that you get something like 42 pages of cam kennedy art um just fucking phenomenal looking as orlock makes his way you know is introduced in 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 a in a manly man way that garth ennis must have wept upon reading makes his way back to mega city one um confronts anderson proves himself in a completely quiet way to be absolutely dreads equal um that's what i was gonna say like what i love about the return of the session so much mm -hmm. is it it's it's such a slow burn mm -hmm. like arlock is unstoppable arlock sets out with a mission and and does it and leaves behind no loose ends yeah but he does it so quietly <laughs> and so surgically yeah that yeah. it's it is a joy to read absolutely because it's just a slow dread through the whole thing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no pun intended yeah, yeah, completely. And one of the things that I think is is interesting about the first half of the volume and part of why it's so exciting is it is Wagner working in almost a minimalist um, storytelling mode, like very terse captions. The dialogue is 
pretty tight. There's not a ton of um, embellishments, but he manages to just instantly and easily crank things up. Um, the the tension that continues to build as Orlock takes Dread, manages to capture him, and then bring him to the city to be put on trial for destroying um, an entire city and billions of inhabitants is really just kind of classic high drama. The And the idea that even in the background of it, because Anderson being a, a psychic um, is more or less able to tell dread at various points while they're captured and away from all other things. Bad shit is going down in mega city one. And um, it's interesting in some ways to me, there's, there are a leaner, meaner, almost necropolis way of start telling things like, Dread leaves the city, the city falls to shit, you get the idea that things are bad. Then you get to actually see things being bad, and I think to the extent that there are problems, the problem, as as you, I think, put your finger on it, Graham, is a lot of the classic other mega progs that Wagner and Wagner and Grant were responsible for creating continue to more or less up the stakes, twist things tighter and tighter, and and frankly are um, more than happy to throw in new elements into the second or third acts well, of the story. I think that the 2008 chapters do that, to throw the extra elements in. I don't think they up the stakes, though, and I think that's the problem. Well, yes, and that's, well, see, and I think, I think, I don't, it depends on what you mean by extra elements, and maybe we will parse that out. I think if you cross Necropolis with sort of, I think because Orlock pops up, um, there's a temptation, I think, to see this as Wagner doing a weird riff on the Apocalypse War uh, in the later half of the book, in that Dread has seen his city, uh, by the time he manages to free himself with the entanglements, and, you know, Mega City 1 has fallen to Nero Narcos, the judges are in a dire state, and Dread has to more or less figure out a way to lead a counterattack against them with a certain amount of Sub Rosa help from Britsit and kind of a tight team of commandos put together from some characters that we know uh, that are returning. Um, so there's a certain amount of sort of the same way that the Apocalypse War has some amazing science fiction war comic stuff um, cranked up to 11 in things like War Games uh, and Endgame. We see a lot of military strategy and kind of Dirty Dozen style impossible missions to to overthrow unstoppable odds I, I want to interrupt but i also i'm like get where you're going jeff and then i'm going to disagree with you. yes please do so 
there's a couple of problems and i think the the biggest problem is like i said for me well there's it's it's kind of threefold on the one part Wagner is telling two stories. Um, The collection, I'm not really sure that the uh, complete case file version of throwing 2000 AD story parts in the first half and doing the magazine stories in the second half works well here for a situation where this stuff is in some cases supposed to be tightly woven. So unfortunately, by the time you get to... Uh, the Narcos connection, which is uh, more or less halfway through the collection, and it is retelling events from largely DeMarco's side of things, but also painting the fall of Mega City One from her perspective, from Narcos's perspective, and from the perspective of the judges under fire. Um, it as it goes on, you find it becoming more and more redundant to what's come before. And also, I think Wagner, in terms of trying to figure out ways to tell the story, the same story twice, ends up, I think, feeling trapped by his own structure in a way that yeah, you I, don't normally I, I, see him doing. Yeah, I think that's very 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 much the case i was thinking that when i was reading it as well mm-hmm. so i think i think it leads him to um an ending that i don't think he necessarily thought that he wanted to get to or was ready to get to it felt very out of nowhere and i think part of that is because essentially you've got to sto- rather than rely on the story having the same ending twice um he takes the mega city stuff and ends up moving it into a direction that is um different he ends up doing stuff that feels more like vamping because dread's not on stage yet and demarco spends a remarkable amount of time concussed and passed out in in the story and i think he ends up having to be like oh well, let's see what our serial couple killer couple is doing. Let's see. Let's see what the judges are doing. I'm going to write some very loose and flaccid stuff about what war does to the soul that you just never like. It's interesting. Wag seeing Wagner falter and flail on the last quarter of his story is. I wonder if it was all woven together, if it would be obvious and read even more um, painfully. I, I, I suspect it wouldn't. Mm, mm-hmm. I think that the format of this collection does does the material no favors at all. Mm-hmm. Because although the two, the magazine material tells the story from, quote-unquote, the Mega City 1 angle. I mean, it is mostly DeMarco, even though, as you say, like, Wagner then is like, but she's concussed and she keeps blacking out for most of it. And then she wakes up and she's upset. Feels very much like he himself doesn't really care about the so-called robot war. Yeah. To the point where, like, he makes fun of, the, of calling it a robot war more than once in the story. Mm-hmm. Like, he has characters call it Robot War. He introduces that terminology. And then he then has captions that make fun of calling it a Robot War. Hmm. And it's really strange. It's as if he basically plotted this out, and then when he came to write it, 
was like, fuck it. Yeah. So that's not really into. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that's what happens. I suspect that for something of this undertaking where you are telling, you know, you're doing a, what, minimal Rashomon across two comics. You know, you do have to plan and you do have to, to work out, well, if this is happening in this issue of 2008, then this has to happen in this issue of magazine. Right. But they are, you know, by not folding them together, by not trying to make, present them roughly as they were published or roughly as they were chronologically taking place. All of the magazine material feels like an afterthought. Yeah. It it feels like it's filling in gaps that, honestly, the 2018 material has kind of burned out the goodwill of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, for that matter, you've forgotten. Like, the majority of the Narcos connection, at least the first half of it, is DeMarco tracking down that, you know, shipments of these droids are coming in and that they may be programmed by Narcos behind the scenes. And paying off, like, you know, failed comments from Return of the Assassin more than 100 pages earlier. Right. You know, and so it's, it, it, by not putting them next to each other, it feels filler almost. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, I think that gets to be more the case the more it goes on. And you do see, you know, the judges are fighting back, but we're not going to show you that. We're going to show you the Angel of Mercy killing people. Right. It's like, are you just trying to to fill space are you you know do you just have a certain number of pages in the magazine you have to fill until you get to the the big climax in 2080 and so i i think that if they had been together you wouldn't be dealing with for a better way of putting it an exhausted reader by that point who is not particularly into reading that material i right I, i mean i think that might be part of it i'm also thinking of um isn't it necropolis where like three quarters of the way through we see the judge like the junior judge cadets who've escaped you know and that comes relatively really late on and all of a sudden you've got you know giant and um a group of judges under threat who are fighting sort of to get by and then they end up hooking up with dread it's i think it's really common in a lot of the mega progs that wagner and grant would throw in usually an entirely new character or set of circumstances to really change things up and kind of um like skew the nature of of what you were reading and i think probably because of a variety of factors that does not happen here and i feel yeah i i disagree with that i think it does happen where i think it happens with britsit if you consider the 2000 ad story starting at return of the assassin and ending Mm -hmm. in endgame right right Mm -hmm. the britsit stuff happens you know a good 90 pages in Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, no, it's totally true. But but none of those characters like you get you get a slight taste of uh different characters with your you know super cool computer guy who figures things out and they're like you sure wave you know save the day. Um but he he's kind of to me he's just a plot convenience. There's Barely any of those people you see them die and then you know oh, no, yeah, they're being upset hilarious. and yeah. yeah it's hilarious because they kill off like three of them at the start of the mission mm-hmm. and it feels utterly meaningless yeah. because they're like 
Did three die? I, I don't know who any of these people are. Also, what I think is uh, interesting is Nero Narcos has... Wagner has no interest in the character. And to the extent that he had teased the character as somebody that he was going to find um, interesting uh, or that we were going to find interesting, I think it says a lot about where Wagner's head is at is that Narcos more or less um, his motives for doing what he's doing is more or less just for the challenge of it and when he loses he's like well you know it was worth a shot like he has the fact that the villain has emotional investment in what he's doing there's no you don't you just don't really get much of a sense it honestly there's a far more interesting and disturbing scene in this in in the point in which you see him say to judge edgar who he's captured like hey this is really boring. Why don't you run the city for me? I'll give you lots of power and you just have to handle all the administration stuff. I wanted to do this just to do it, but but running it's dull. Um, and of course, part of that is to tease even more reasons for us to have distrust Judge Edgar and to see the, the Edgar coming stuff squall. Is so strange. It really the Edgar is, stuff isn't is it? So very strange because it mm-hmm. feels like there should be more there than there is. Yeah. Like it's even built up to be something. Yeah. And then then it's it's nothing more than do you want to run it? And she's like, No, fuck you and that's it. Yeah. Like yeah. it's 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 so strange. And he Wagner tries to play up the well, you know, Edgar's division should have known about this. Why? Why should they have known about it more than anyone else? That's right. Like, it makes no sense because it is a criminal investigation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? So why aren't the regular judges on top of this? Why should it be the the Edgar's division that spies on the public? Right. That that is literally, you know, going against the entire theory that Edgar is a threat because she does this. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. it's such a strange thing. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, Narcos is such... Is this where Wagner just realizes that Narcos is a very dull character? Like, yes. It, even he doesn't care about him? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think so. I think he thought that he would get to a point where he would come up with with a hook for for um, Narcos. In the previous I, I volume... He yeah. doesn't at all. Basically, like, I, 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 yeah. It feels like he is almost admitting that mm-hmm. when he has Narcos. There's this essentially a caption that says something along the lines of like, Narcos thought there was a plan for this, but now that he's here, he doesn't have an end game. Right. And it feels like he's 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 writing about himself. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, exactly. All those things about Narcos feel very Wagner directed, as in like he took it on as a challenge and a game for his ego, and once he got there, it was kind of a joyless grind. Um, and and yeah, it, but on top of it, what I think is interesting, this is the Narcos that we see in the previous volume where, you know, he's having sexy threesomes and women are diving, jumping off of his robo penis. And by... Uh, 
Which I think also, and this is sort of important, is kind of felt in the context of that volume was that we were going to see essentially Dredd's opposite. You know, Dredd is a a dude who has resolve and, and essentially comports himself by you know, not indulging himself by removing yeah, himself. Yeah, and Narcos is it. like in, in, entirely indulgent. Narcos exactly. He's greed. Yeah. So it's going to be, it It would have been interesting and challenging, I think, to figure out a way to, to continue to carry that out. To see Narcos, I mean, it would have been interesting to see Narcos, like, turn around and conquer the megacity and maybe start to do something with it that either that's more blatantly hedonistic or maybe starts to move it towards something where like maybe purely out of sheer and utter boredom, he starts moving it toward democracy, you know, but you don't see any of that, you know, of course. I'm tempted to be very, very cynical and say it would have been nice to see Narcos take over Mega City 1. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, because of... all of that, even mm-hmm. even in the Megaseed episodes, all of that happens off panel. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, all we see of that is the the judge's guns explode and there are robots. And then it is just taken as Narcos sticking over City 1. It is the strangest, most half-assed takeover ever. Which, yeah. again, speaks to Wagner seeming to not be interested in his own story. Mm-hmm. But also, the reader's experience, it, it is very disheartening. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very difficult to get invested in a story where what we're told is happening does not match your experience as a reader. Yeah, yeah. Right. And in the 2003 episodes, there are at least there is at least an explanation for this. You know, in Return of the Assassin, you see the start of the takeover, and as Arlok takes Dredd away... There is the 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 implication. There is the 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 statement. They're like, "Oh shit, things are going down." Right, right. Mm-hmm. And then by the time he comes back mm-hmm. from Brexit, it has happened. Right, like the story has followed. Dread, dread has been absent. This has happened in his absence. As you said, the idea that Mega City One literally can't keep its shit together when Dread isn't there, mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. which is an interesting idea, but is also subtextual here entirely. Oh yeah. You know, the closest you get is Volt says something along the lines of Dread is coming back, therefore we're saved. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the closest you get to actually being addressed in the story. Mm-hmm. But in the, the magazine story, you don't see the takeover again. You know, no, literally. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that is a shocker. That's a, that is a huge part in this collection because the first half – when you see when it all kind of goes down off panel, I was like, "Oh, okay." And then when they do the magazine magazine version side of things, you're going to see that happen. And no, and then uh, you don't. Yeah, and you like, really don't. I get the plot mechanic of Demarco is knocked out, right? Because she's with Dread, and yeah. then she has to get knocked out in order to think Dread is dead. Right. She wakes up and Dread's body is not there, and all mm-hmm. the other judges are dead, and she's like, "Oh, Dread is dead." Right. I get that. Mm-hmm. But in the Wagner will later go, and now we're changing the point of view character to Volt. Now we're changing the point of view character to Angel of Death. And now we're changing the point of view character to Narcos. Mm-hmm. It 
honestly seems unforgivable that we didn't swap to someone else to see more of the actual takeover. Instead, we get another caption along the lines of like, they called it the second robot war, but it wasn't really a war. It was more like robots just run amok for a few hours. <laughs> why, why should we as readers believe that the judges have been overrun? Like, that makes no sense. Right. Because we never actually see it. We get yeah. a scene of... God, can't remember his name. The 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 previously undercover judge from yes, from, uh, yeah, with the mustache but, and I forget yeah. his name. Yeah, we, but mm-hmm. get him leading like an insurgency, right? And shouting a lot. Yeah, and we get Volt talking about how terrible everything is. Yeah, but we don't actually get like in Necropolis. You get to see the city overrun, right? Well, so Here, closest you get is like a television broadcast. So I think I think there's a couple of things. Like I I mentioned the Apocalypse War as a kind of touchstone, understandably because you've got you know again you have Orlock in the first part, um, and you also have the story part of the story being some of the ramifications of of the Apocalypse War. But I think one of the things that just makes the that that whole Prague Mega Prague just pop of course is the lead up with block mania and a building and building and building and then when you get to the apocalypse war it it's wagner and grant nascara doing science fiction war comics and it's just compelling and yeah. and they're I, and they're very, it's really it's a war comic in the future as opposed to science yes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it is insurgency comics. It is, let's go for the top boys. It is using the language of the war comic. Yes. The thing that I think is interesting that really becomes clear, and, and it may be part of the deficiency in the volume, is Wagner, unsurprisingly, many, many years later, does not have um his his feelings i think have changed significantly you see lots of you know judges running around and guns and get ready and oh you've got to do this dramatically and people under fire but you also have this amazing sequence we mentioned the the you know angel of mercy and her husband bumping people off and talking about war and then you've got other people thinking about you know sometimes war changes you it makes you weak sometimes it makes you strong sometimes you know one war makes you big the other makes you small um Okay, they don't actually say that, but there. No, no, but that, that's exactly what they say. You're right. But but there is a thing, and a shit. I'm trying to find it where you have the city deaf guys get involved, which is kind of a nice touch. That because I feel like that on the one hand is something that we haven't necessarily seen before. Is all these people who've been hanging out, like training with guns and starting fights with other blocks, supposedly under the idea that they're there to defend. Um, in in the case of a war, are finally actually doing that. And what you see is, right, for the city deaths, Mega City One's Civilian Defense Corps, it is the moment of truth, the opportunity they've been waiting and training for, the chance at last to try out their shiny new guns on a real enemy, to live the fantasies they've seen so often on the vid, to hear all those classic lines issuing from their own lips, which has some, you know, them yelling out things. And then at the end, 
you have Wagner totally doing a, a piss take on those classic war scenes where like one person's like being held dying in someone's arms and and the the person dying is tell ma i died fighting shorty and the other person says your ma's dead elsie you're 84 and my name ain't shorty and then the I, next i genuinely love that bit that's great. And then the other one was the next panel is someone saying, never knew it was going to be like this. We got to get out of here, Captain. And the captain saying, I ain't running like no coward, son. Least not without my leg. Maybe you could pass it to me. Which is, I mean, those are really, like, part of me is like, okay, that is sort of the typical Judge Dredd satirical taking the piss. But I also think, in a way, it's also Wagner kind of showing I don't think he, in in a way like if you get him into the right aspect you know the the Wagner that that loves a good movie on the telly he's going to do some some fun dread like you know dirty dozen shenanigans of like how do we get 12 men past 3000 armed droids that are you know unstoppable um but when it comes to the actual war stuff, I think he feels very differently, I think, about glorifying it. Like, he shows the City Death Squad getting slaughtered and 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 operating under the delusion that war is awesome. And... It could be that could be part of the part where Wagner's kind of like, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure that I'm down with it. This anyway is one of my theories as to why, apart from perhaps boredom, Wagner really never shows the city falling. It's just even though it's the most drum potentially dramatic in terms of a fun to draw things are cool kind of way it's just not where his heart's at particularly i think especially after the first third of the book where you have really a very tight fun character story of dread versus orlock with anderson in the middle more or less talking shit about them both that part is so enjoyable and you can tell that Wagner's heart is so clearly in that that when you hit the sec the the second half of the book essentially even the second half of the story I think it becomes obvious that his heart's not in it I also feel that I think part of the problem is DeMarco and I'll be curious this is the part where I expect you and I to disagree I don't really is the thing. Mm. Like I, I think that I think that there are so many problems with with the way the story works. Like it just mm-hmm. it it doesn't for one of a better way of putting it. Right? It is mm-hmm. it is such a it is so it, it fails its own um right. its own it's... and it fails its own structure. Yeah. Like comprehensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and it, that failure is so much worse because the opening is so good. Yes, like, like the the return of the the assassin and and the the uh, the trial story. 
yeah are 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 so good trial trial of strength slightly less mm-hmm. i think once you get into the and now they're escaping you know crazy japes mm-hmm. that it does kind of fall apart again mm-hmm. but you know the first realistically like 80 pages of this book yeah are, are just shockingly good yes are so really ridiculously good and then the rest of it becomes progressively worse you know i don't think i'm i'm overstating that you know yeah, well uh, yeah I mean, and i say that as someone who enjoys a lot of the material in the rest of the book uh yes. for various reasons right you know and and some of them are are honestly like tiny tiny reasons there is a joke that is made in the towards the end of the narcos material in 2008 where one of his uh lovers girlfriends whatever they may be mm-hmm. basically says like you made them pr- you promised me that they'd reshow the soap opera yes and then you see the setup for that later in the yeah. magazine stuff which mm-hmm. i loved i don't know yeah. why i love that you see that setup and again i wish you had seen it in the right order yes yeah but there there is fun stuff there but it goes from being like fully comprehensively great to finding the good stuff in some not so great material I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think, let's put it this way. There's, th- that is certainly, like, I think that, yeah, pound for pound, um, the first 70, 80 pages of this volume are just flat out fucking great. I think Trial of Strength, which is the fight between Orloff and Dread. As they're trying to escape together, but with with Anderson, really falls down because in part because of the art. But I'm still down with it. I mean, honestly, I'm. I mean, it, old... it really, it, it's not just the art, though, right? Or at mm-hmm. least for me, you know, Return of the Assassin and the Trial work because it is almost dread being faced by something that he cannot fight or not not use his traditional methods against, mm-hmm. right? And in the first one because. Dredd doesn't understand stealth. And also, mm-hmm. he is... He has such a lack of ego mm-hmm. that the idea that, like, Orlok is actually coming to get him mm-hmm. is something that he wouldn't really comprehend. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Dredd can't be paranoid because he doesn't actually have a, comp- a comprehensive idea of self mm-hmm. in that way. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So Orlok is... Orlok, Orlok doing that, that sort of, like, quiet, behind-the-scenes hunting of Dredd. Of course it's going to win. Mm-hmm. Because Dread is oblivious to that, right, 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 and then mm-hmm. the trial he is completely stripped of his power. Dread is the law in Mega City One, but mm-hmm. he's not in Mega City One, right? He is a prisoner somewhere else entirely. Mm-hmm. And then when you, when you get to Trial of Strength, it's caper material again. You know, you know it's interesting. You know, who mm-hmm. can Dread like punch? Mm-hmm. Dread the hardest. Right, you know, like right. for all the build-up of the Orlok material and and the trial, I really genuinely hate the gag of he's going to kill Orlok by slamming him against the pier, but he Orlok goes through the pier because the wood is old. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I hate that gag. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it feels like it's cheap, not necessarily just as a cheap gag, but I feel like it it cheapens the story that has been going on until that point. 
you know, the theory before that point was what had a particular tone and had a particular point of view, mm-hmm. and then to resolve it with a waka 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 felt wrong. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, you know, it it it's interesting that you say that. I I think I think that because I think that hmm, how do I put it? There's a couple of pieces to as as much as i enjoy it and again i would say that i actually really like the first half of the the first half of this volume is tremendous and among my favorite reads uh for the case files in in probably quite some time but there are big old warning flags and i do think that basically wagner pulling a doctor doom uh with orloff Orlock at that particular point is very un Wagner and undread. You know what I mean? Like for the most point, you know, you're 30 volumes in, it's pretty rare for people to encounter dread and more or less survive. And that feels cheap. The way in which it happens feels cheap um i mean i i've I've got no problem with the idea of of a recurring antagonist and i have honestly no problem with the idea of orlock being that antagonist especially because i like wagner's orlock more than i like grant's orlock and the anderson stuff right right right. like what you've missed is anderson and orlock having like cosmic psychic space adventures together right which they understand they're both beautiful beings underneath yeah yeah which I mean, no. Well, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, on the one hand, I like the idea of humanizing someone like Orlok, especially given the point of view of the Dread Trip, right? Where mm-hmm. Orlok is the de- the devil, as much as as Orlok thinks Dread is the devil, Dread thinks Orlok is the devil, right? Right, and honestly, that's kind of Anderson's argument in the trial. Well, you so know, you're, right. each other's, mm-hmm. you're, like, you're each other's mirror image, mm-hmm. um, but the but you know, I'm not a massive fan, to say the least, of Grant's Anderson material. Right. And the more it goes towards, like, space hippy-dippy, the judges are fascist regime, but not Anderson, because she's okay, really, because she she means better. Uh, or worse, you know, as a later, but also she was abused as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, all of that material is just, no, 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 mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm. And so all of that Orlock material, bleh, no. Well, so for me, and I agree, one of the things that was really interesting is having missed that material, having Orlock come, and one of the things that is great is how much Wagner just takes it as uh, a priori. Like, it, it happened, but he doesn't really spend a lot of time telling you how it happened you know because either you've read the stories and you and you know or he doesn't have a lot of that jammed into the language it's watching orlock come back and know that someone but you know there's some panels where he's returning to planet and he's like he feels her mind make contact and you're like who the hell is he talking about where is this going now and then you see the stuff with him and anderson and you're like that's kind of crazy and insane, but but A, 
it's unexpected. B, Wagner writes it in a way that mostly seems pretty convincing. And C, what is great about, for me, about the first 80 or 90 pages is it's Anderson who who largely gets shit done. Like, yeah, yeah. she is the one that, uh, among other things, is just like all but rolling her eyes at the machismo of Dredd and Orlock in a <laughs> yes, way. Yes, in a way that's honestly a joy. Yes, exactly. Is deeply satisfying that manages to just heighten the enjoyment of the work without in any way deflating it. And she more or less fills a crucial role in the trial in that Dredd refuses to defend himself. The the Sov City judges put Orlock in place to make him defend Dredd, which Orlock refuses to do. And essentially Anderson's like, okay, fuck this. I'm going to figure out a way and and more or less threads the needle in a way that's super thrilling and well done. Although dot, 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 I have some serious qualms about some of the stuff, which is to say on top of um, on top of having Wagner have someone get away from dread under relatively cheap auspices not not even not really in the way that other people have escaped dread which is more or less to be operating on a completely different plane you know the the angel of mercy or um what's his name the kid psychopath um oh, pj maybe yeah pj maybe are both very different types that sort of run in a very different world of dread. But like you said, in terms of it's a competition between the hard men kind of thing, like dread wins. And the fact that dread does not win, that you have Orlock get away on the one hand, part of me is like, I get it. He's such an interesting character, especially when he is, when Wagner uses all the tools to make him seem like an interesting anti-hero rather than a villain uh, in the opening pages, it seems a shame to give it up. But I think, again, if this had been happening back when Wagner and Grant were scripting, I think that, I think it, I think, I think he, I think Orlock would have been thrown on the old sacrificial pyre. What's funny is I wonder if Orlock was kept alive in case Grant wants to use him again. I mean, he shows up again in Dread. Mm-hmm. Like he, he does make he does make at least one other appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I do wonder if the reason he he gets away is in case because at this point he, for all intents and purposes, is an Anderson character who has come back into Dread. Right. Well, but the flip side of this, Graham, is also, and this is the the other big arrow, is the trial. The trial that that Dredd is put on is a little bit alarming to me because I think one of the great things about Dredd up to this point is the end of the Apocalypse War where you see Dredd do pushing the button and blowing the shit out of, you know, East Meg City or East Meg is a horrific act. 
And what's great about it is, is that it is an act that has happened and that is more or less you're always reminded about, but you're never necessarily told, is it good? Is it bad? Is it whatever? And Wagner, on the one hand, I think it's kind of daring for him to actually have Dredd put on trial for this. But I also feel it, in sort of the same way that over the years, Judge Dredd, has, Wagner has kind of made him more and more Judge Dad. Like, you kind of are presenting Dredd you're you're basically showing him being redeemed for killing billions of people, don't you think? I see. I don't think you are. I think it's just the opposite. I think that you are being shown that it was a not. It's difficult to say it was the wrong decision, but it was a horrific decision, and that other people recognize that it was a horrific decision, including Dread himself. Mm. And I think that's different from him being redeemed. I think that him basically saying, I'd do it again, is machismo. And is a sign of, honestly, Dredd's inability to really fully reflect or change. I think that, that when we do see changes in Dredd, and we have seen changes in Dredd, but I think it happens really incrementally. I mean, really, really shockingly incrementally. Because we are 98, so it's 20, 21 years since Dread. And we have seen him use the first name of one judge ever, you know, in, in all that time. And it's not Anderson. It's not the one who arguably he's closest to either. As he becomes humanized, and I think he does become humanized, and I think he is more humanized now as he was 10 years before this, as he was 20 years before this, um, and becomes much more humanized, I think, moving forward as well, when you, when you sort of look at what has been published since. Uh, none of that happens quickly. None of that happens in, in an issue or even in a storyline. But I think the trial story suggests just as Dredd was having doubts about, you know, the law before Necropolis, he is on some level aware that what he did was was bad. He, th- he would do it again because it still fits into his worldview. But I think he knows that it is not a an easy decision, for want of a better way of putting it. And I think that when he defaults to you're wanted for murder and him taking you in the in the, the you know the the fight at the end, like that I get that again bothers me because it feels like it is taking things in a cartoonish direction, and not just because it shifts from Simon Davis drawing to Neil Good's drawing, and it is like immediately more cartoonish, but it feels like the moral ambiguity that is slowly creeping in is replaced by fuck it you're being arrested i'm taking you back to the city you know this is normally the part where i would jump around like a yappy little dog graham but i because i don't i feel like you're saying what you want to see is in there but what we're actually seeing is something different we're seeing anderson who is normally presented as the voice of reason in the dread strips saying dread had no choice you're as far as i can tell it's more or less been retconned where instead of the east meg city being more or less helpless and with nothing else left in their arsenal being bombed to shit by dread 
being presented in this case as uh, this is the only way to start stop the attack. Like, I feel it's being retconned by Wagner. It's being shown as argued by Anderson. And like you said, the cartoonishness of the tone is the storyline ends with Dread sinking the Sov City again. Yeah, and and basically them literally saying, "Curse you, Dread! You've done it again." And that's and that's in Davis's stuff, and it is a huge punchline. Like you know what I mean? Like it is the it is the end of the that story before you switch to the big punch 'em up. Is it's literally curse you, Dread! You've done it again. It's it's a joke. It's a it that is the that's, big ha ha. That, you know what? That's true. That is a joke. But I don't think it undoes. I'm sticking with my fucking point, even though that is a joke, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Uh, in part because, <laughs> well, in part because, like, I know where Wagner goes after this. Like, Day of Chaos is, I think, exactly what you're looking for. Yes. And honestly, Day of Chaos is very much this Doomsday storyline in general, the narco storyline in general, done right for me. Well, so maybe that's it. Maybe this is Wagner doing this is doing exactly everything that I'm saying and then thinking about it and being like, no, that's not right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to make that argument because I think all of the other stuff that you're saying, I just do not see that textually. That the dread is showing anything like regret. He's of course he's not. He's treasuring nothing in this. Well, and so I don't under so I don't understand where where you were saying some of the things that you were saying at the beginning. So I think it's coming contextually from everything else that is going on. Well, okay, I I once again find that impossible to argue against. <laughs> Nonetheless, I strenuously disagree. I think that I as that, that, yeah, that's yeah. that's. But I mean, that's uh, not to toot our own horns. Like that's one of my joys of doing drunk, mm-hmm. right? Because you're reading the shit for the first time and you've not read forward, right? So I can look at this and be like, this story really reminds me of Day of Chaos. Like I totally get that it reminds you of Apocalypse War, but mm-hmm. it reminds me of Day of Chaos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Day of Chaos does everything the story is supposed to do and but- doesn't. Which is which is great, but I also feel that you are you then sort of retroactively, like you said, you know what's coming, so it changes the light within which you view. No, no, this. no, no. But 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 even like even contextually, within what we have seen here, I think we have seen dread begin to doubt things, right? And I not think dread, in this storyline, no, but, but I think in the trial, dread's refusal even to defend himself. Dread refusal to engage. Dread refusal, for that matter, to look beyond his own dislike of Orlok. Mm-hmm. Like, to engage in any of it. Speaks mm-hmm. to, like, he can't defend himself. Uh, okay. I mean, yes. I I think that like, that... Imagine the, dread, imagine the dread of the Apocalypse War. Imagine the trial happens immediately after Apocalypse War. Mm-hmm. Dread will defend himself. That dread would give a speech. And this dread can't. I I think that maybe if you are inclined to give a that sort of psychological reading to dread in this context I can see that I personally think <laughs> 
that what you're seeing is is that Dread refuses to recognize their authority over him, which is very Dread, and is very Dread from back then to Dread on sure. now. And but, again, but I I also think that Dread from back then even though he didn't accept their authority, would give a speech about not accepting the authority and then would tell them why he's right. Um, if you say so. I, I think... No, I, like, genuinely don't think that... And part of this could be... Like, literally, even ignoring the psychological underpinning argument that I'm making, right? And just looking at it from Wagner's writing style then versus Wagner's writing style now. You don't think if this story had been done in, like, 83... That mm-hmm. this wouldn't have had basically have not have to have Anderson, because Wagner would have had dread in the Anderson role. I I mean I think that that is a enjoyable game of shadows to 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 lose me in, Mister McMillan. I would rather focus on to me. <laughs> The facts and evidence, which to me is is that Wagner gives justifications in the mouth of somebody that usually ends up being the voice of reason in these strips. Um, I just think that it's more like maybe Wagner thought about it and was like, yeah, okay, this was a mistake later. But at the time, he no, was not. like... Maybe maybe he did. I, I, I think he is in at a stage in this point where the the storytelling, the way things happen, leans more towards Wagner, A, being like, you know what, if you think about it, Dredd really was not that wrong in what he did, and or, you know what, I'm really fucking tired of people talking about the Apocalypse War and Dredd pushing that button and the fact that, you know, it makes him, like, you know, like, just, just kind of... I just think that there were some bad choices made here, which I think were made um, the way that Wagner can in a way of like, yeah, and this is going to be an entertaining story. And it's pretty goddamn entertaining. It really is right up until the point where you get like the, the fist fight, like the fight yeah, the fist, fist fight and the fist floorboards. Fist. And yeah, exactly. And then you're just like, oh yeah. Okay. This is, this is a little bit of Wagner. And and I think it's fine. I mean, this is a guy who has just contributed as a writer, has walked an incredible tightrope with Dread for such a long time. And one of the things that's interesting and fun about Dread is sometimes he comes off the, you know, he goes too far to one side and then has to course correct. My thesis is over these period of, of the last two or three years of material that we've been reading... Um, Wagner, whether it's a course of getting older to wanting to have some optimism to trying to give a more spirited, hopeful view of where we're going, his moves a little bit more in the, this is one of his strongest steps in the judge dad direction and I think it doesn't surprise me that he later thinks about it and and moves back. Like one of the great joys of Dread is, you know, sometimes Dread can, you know, it's 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 Schrodinger's Dread. Sometimes you open the box and he's a fascist. Sometimes you open it up and he's a hero. Sometimes the box 
he's in both states at once and the, it's and it's a miraculous thing i just think that for myself i think it's only fair i mean n- not just to pick fights with you um in order to keep people who are listening entertained but also to <laughs> to say that i think that that it it's it is interesting and valuable to view it as as a living text, seeing it happen in the time in which it's being written and speculate about what was going on rather than, you know, again, although I hugely appreciate and envy your ability to have read through so much of this material, retained so much of it and being able to look at it and present it from the angle of like, yes, it is in many ways a much more satisfying whole than you would think or that you jeff in particular would know because you're just reading it the first time stepping through it in real time okay (laughs) (laughs) and i think honestly because i don't want to go down like i uh i don't want to keep fighting about it yeah i mean i I feel fighting's a bit strong yes like you know, part of me is like, I feel I'm speculating in the same way you're speculating. I'm just reading different things into it. Uh, but, I, you know, I at that point, what is the point of continuing to? Well, I mean, that's that exactly, exactly, exactly. No, and it's true. And I think I think there's times where I feel very um, satisfied with my ability to point to very various panels and pieces and specifics and you kind of have more of a sense of tone or you'll pull sort of things not in evidence as i say but there's plenty of times in which i argue to the letter of things and i'm still wrong so and i'm aware of that i definitely over our years of doing things if there's one thing that i've learned it's that um being right doesn't always make me right and i still hate that so um (laughs) if ever there was like a, a snippet of audio <laughs> feel that like defines this podcast. <laughs> it's me going, let's let's stop fighting because I think I'm doing the same thing as you, but I accept that that's not what you think. And then you'd be like, being right doesn't always make me right. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Oh, I know. Man. It's yeah. Oh, let's talk about DeMarco, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, let, let's talk about DeMarco. The magazine material is DeMarco's story, except when it's other people's story. Yes. Which, you know, is a choice. I, I think it's fair to say that you probably were not convinced by the DeMarco material here. There's Well, there's a couple of factors here. Um, there There is the fact that um, not Peter Doherty... Um, who who's the artist? Andrew Curry. I'm not crazy about Andrew Curry's art through a chunk of it. I think it's... You would like the oddly Philip Bondy approach? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's... there. I mean, there's parts where I think it's kind of okay and cute, and part of me is like, oh, it's expressive, but it also kind of reminds me of that stuff with the magazine where I'm like, A, it it's... It's a little off brand. B, I, I think that there's something that uh, I think one of the things that is rough for me is is that DeMarco by 
the artist tends to undercut a lot of what is potentially interesting about the character because the character is you know demarco is a judge who ends up leaving the judges more or less because she does not believe in celibacy she does not believe in the idea that keeping yourself emotionally distant from people is a way that is beneficial you know that that it does not make you a better judge it probably makes you a worse judge you know she is a an apostate i can never say that correctly to the to the judge religion she is someone who has who has left the religion of the judgehood in a way that is for reasons that are super interesting the fact that she basically gets drawn in an un, you know panties and like a tight t-shirt for the first 10 to 15 pages of her introduction the fact that she is plagued by not one but two erotic dreams the two fantasy sequences are nuts right yeah it's kind of amazing that wagner goes that well twice yeah exactly exactly because i think i think the first time he's kind of like yeah and then the second time i think he sort of wants you i think the first time happens so that the second time you you think that it's going to be really happening but of course i at no point are you in either case unfortunately maybe i don't mean to talk out of turn at no point was i convinced but no no, i and and, you know uh, part of the first fantasy sequence fails entirely because, at least for me, I didn't read that as Judge Dredd. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, which is also you know, like it, it's yeah. a real problem when you're yeah. you have the theory is Judge Dredd comes in while Demarco is sleeping, right? And they seem to be in a relationship, but you can't tell that it's Dredd, yeah, until the end of the second page where someone talks to him. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and you see his name. Yeah. So I think. So so the broad strokes of the stuff with DeMarco, no pun intended, are to me really frustrating I, I in that I think that DeMarco has the potential to be arguably one of the most interesting characters to come down the pike in Dread in a long time. And I think that, again... Wagner and the artist's inability to draw DeMarco without sexualizing her, without over-sexualizing the parts that are about her character, ends up making it all just feel super frustrating and embarrassing. I also, for me, think that although it makes a lot of sense as a direction, DeMarco leaving the field leaving the judges becoming a private eye and more or less beginning to have private eye capers um while it makes sense as a mechanism within this story uh, i just i tend to find that stuff just unbelievably hackneyed by see i i like that almost because it's hackneyed Mm -hmm. i think uh, demarco is a is an interesting character to do that with in part because if you buy the idea that DeMarco was dedicated to the idea of being a judge and she just couldn't 
she just wasn't down with the idea of emotional celibacy. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that she would still try and serve justice as an as a, a private citizen. Right. Also, I like the idea as set up in in the first story. The dread essentially sponsors her. Like dread yeah. gets her into this, and yeah. for that matter, like bends the rules, which is really interesting. In right. order to to help her along, like that's interesting and could provide interesting material down the road. Yeah, I agree. However, that uh, Andrew Curry's art is like works against everything in the story. Mm-hmm. It not only, for want of a better way of putting it, is like cutely sexualizing her throughout, mm-hmm. but it's far too clean for what would work better as a private eye story. Right. right, right. If if you want to sell Demarco as a private eye and honestly a private eye with her own femme fatales to deal deal with Mm -hmm. then having something that is garishly colored and you know like i said like looks like sub philip bond Mm -hmm. it's not the way to do it Mm -hmm. it's it's not uh the right art to sell that idea Mm -hmm. i think there's a lot of promise in the the opening of the the magazine stuff mm-hmm. that's undercut 100% by the artwork, like 100% right. by the artwork, but then goes further off the rails as it starts to set up the, the Narcos material. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if that story had been a standalone mm-hmm. and it had, you know, John Burns art mm-hmm. and didn't mm. need to, to Marco inexplicably being allowed into the judge mission where they all have exploding weapons so she can get knocked out so that she becomes part of the Narcos plot, it would be far more successful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, and that's it. There's just, there's a lot of stuff that could have made it far more successful and, and far more interesting. And I, again, I don't know if Wagner is basically so hamstrung and harried from trying to work out how to balance the story across two separate um, magazines and more or less two separate stories with different leads. But uh, so the thing that's rough is the parts that I like the most out of DeMarco's story is, is that DeMarco's interaction with dread is genuinely interesting you know their relationship is a little different as you point out the fact that dread keep calls her by her first name um in a way that he doesn't with anyone else the fact that dread can't even really quite tell if what he's doing is because he feels responsible for her and guilty that she lost her career more or less um because of you that. know because edgar was moving against him um or because he actually does have uh feelings for her is kind of well done and to the extent this kind of the 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 pi standard of you know the pi getting info you know getting privileged information from their friends on the force um having that character actually be dread and there being a little bit of a tightrope being walked uh a little bit you know there's a scene where she, where dread is right on 
the edge of more or less questioning her about how she got into the building and her being like, hey, don't ask. You don't want to know. That could be intent. And he's like, "Uh uh-huh. And how'd you get into the building? She's like, hey, you can just search me. Go ahead. Ooh, la, la. I'm, I'm gagging for it or whatever she says. And he, you know, more or less embarrasses him out of it. Is, is it's fun. It's fun. It's fun and it's interesting and it's interesting and the only thing that to me drives me nuts is it's it would be great if there was another dimension to Wagner and I mean to DeMarco and the fact that instead what you get is PI shenanigans of like, oh, don't worry, that stuff where like a femme fatale walks in through the door is just something that happens in the movies. Knock, knock, knock. Yeah, Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, even that part, I'm just like... "Mm." Whereas, like, for me, like, I get that as the sort of cheap joke. My bigger problem with the DeMarco thing is, on the one hand, I feel like she is too comedically flirty with Dread. Right. Yeah. Uh, It it feels... if, if If we are to buy that she genuinely had feelings for him, Mm-hmm. And then she has she has left her life's calling, right? As a result of her feelings, mm-hmm. the why don't you give me a physical search? Ooh la la! I'm trying to embarrass you. Feels too quick to me. Yes, absolutely. Like, it, it feels yep. like it this get flipped into gimmickry. Uh, and honestly, my second thing beyond the fact that she keeps getting knocked out is the Demarco Rothman stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, later in the story, where she comes across the, you know, the the narc judge, um, is an odd couple pairing that just doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's a weird step back for Rothman too, in some ways, where you sort of saw the idea that he might be growing into something from a weasel, and of course, he's pretty much just forty pages of pure shit bag. Um, I mean, for his part, a pure shit bag. To the point where, again, it's it's too broad. Oh yeah, I mean, right? it's... Like, he, he apparently like does nothing but look out for himself, right? Which it is too much. Like mm-hmm. how, even given what we've seen, there's a difference between he's a weasel who does his job and this guy who has apparently never used his gun once and right. gets upset that someone is trying to save the life of a fellow judge, right? Exactly. Who, while DeMarco's passed out, he literally does nothing for. He basically is willing to just leave that guy to die, in part because he made some sassy comments about him. So, that character is super flat. I mean, there's a whole thing that could be interesting in which DeMarco... And it's stuff that we have seen in other places before, where DeMarco is and and this is something that is actually also kind of unfortunate is when DeMarco encounters um what's his name with the stash and other judges who are sort of on the run name. I can't I can't remember he's the undercover guy who's no yeah, longer I, undercover I, I love and neither of us can remember his name what the hell is his name well I think they only mention him mention the name like two or three times again that's the kind of 
There's so much. There's but like a he's lot. appeared multiple times. Jeff. No, I know, I know, Guthrie. but his name is Guthrie. Okay, like, that's why. Multiple stories. Yes, I know, and he's he's barely interesting in any of them, and he's in his least interesting here, where he's basically, you know what I mean? Like he's fucking dumb, dumb Dugan without the hat, and it's like, oh, okay, really? great. You know, so, so yeah, so Guthrie pops up, and I think that's the other thing, is there might have been an interesting story here where DeMarco is, is, is no longer a judge, but ends up getting, falling in with a bunch of judges who are fighting to survive. It would have been interesting if none of them had trusted her, but of course she's kind of, Thick as thieves it's, with everyone, just immediately. Well, I mean, the, the problem is also, she just keeps running to judges she knows. Well, yes, exactly. Like, it's exactly. Rotten and Guthrie. You really, like, th- yeah. there couldn't be other judges that we, the reader, knows that she hasn't come into contact with. Yeah. And they could yeah. say something like, oh, I've heard about you. No, it's the one she's worked with before. Right. <sighs> Jeff, somehow you're making me like this slice as we're talking. <laughs> uh, you know what? Mission think, accomplished. I, yeah. One mm-hmm. thing I do like, though, is, is at the end of the story... DeMarco and Dredd actually do come face to face after we've had our second fantasy scene yes. where DeMarco is wakes up from a coma and Dredd fucks her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, uh, we get to see Dredd essentially be like, okay, you know, now you can come back as a judge. Like, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're a judge. Now you can come back as a judge. And she's like, no. Yeah. Why would I do that? Nothing right. has changed. Yeah. I don't think it's really spoiling anything to say that DeMarco doesn't really appear from this point on. She she gets like one more appearance and and otherwise she's often like a spin-off. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame because I think DeMarco could have, even more than the PI stuff, which I enjoy far more than you, mm-hmm. I think DeMarco would have been a great presence in the strip to basically be the non-believer mm-hmm. that Dredd nonetheless trusts and listens to. Yes, yeah, see, I mean, I think that I think that's part of it. I think there's a lot of things in which how do I put it? You know, I was thinking about this. The the private investigator thing apart from the fact that I think that it is just the clichés are just way too thick uh by this point that the, it's it's not it just doesn't it's not very effective. Um is I think that it also says something like part of me had a really tough time being like, wait, you have a private investigator in a city of judges. Like I just had that weird thing of like, now you don't have that. I mean, you might have it. Cause I mean, there is a thing of like, why not? People need to, there's, you know, you still got cheating wives. You still got, you know, People wondering I mean, no, honestly, what the hell happened me, to other people, but yeah, for yes. me, of course you have private investigators, right? Of course yeah. you do, because you've got like television shows where people inform of, on each other's. You you have like such an untrusting society. Of course you have private investigators. But see, I guess that's I guess that's the thing. Like, you, there's no private investigators. I guess to me, ta- it, it's it's a little bit about. I don't know. It's just, it's just, it doesn't make sense in the world of dread to me. Um, and I can't 
I don't know if I've thought about it thoroughly enough to unpack it, but I think it runs in two different ways, which one is um, that the PI the runs through the idea of a, you either it, don't have that in authoritarian regimes, which the judges resemble, I feel it doesn't sure. work quite as well. And I think the flip side of it is also that private investigator stories tend to work well in situations in in which the police force is widely judged or known to be corrupt. And I think I know that, that doesn't work for this. Well, see, cause that's the thing. Because, I feel... because, because for me, the leap is the police force isn't trusted and so i that entirely fits here like the police force doesn't serve the citizenship in the mega city one no it doesn't it's so doesn't. of course there's going to be a, a roaring private eye trade are they private eyes who are essentially hamstrung by the system sure are they private eyes who can't really get much done other than uh you know cheating spouses or missing you know relatives Mm -hmm. Probably are are absolutely nonsense cases, sure, mm -hmm. but uh, of course there's private eyes. Yeah, I I I see your point. I totally get it. I'm like, yeah, there's no reason why it shouldn't be, and I'm like, it just it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't work. There's just something about it there where I'm like, it just it 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 rubs me, it rubs me the wrong way and there's no real reason why that should necessarily be the case but i just i just i'm like no i mean you know part of me is like i could start rattling off all sorts of reasons but i i just there's something in my bones that it just doesn't feel right speaking of things that don't feel right what did you think about the whole situation with judge volt and where that ends literally ends like i don't I know about love, you but... i love where it ends i wish uh -huh. the collection had included the follow-up story yeah like uh, turning the page from that panel for that final page to suddenly you know the what, cover what of really, prog 1155 really is, is mm -hmm. the the next volume um starts with like a filler story for one of better be putting like you know something is clearly inventory material and then has a follow-on to like volt killing wow. himself mm -hmm. right? and it's like you couldn't flip you couldn't flip those at all right but right. i guess you know with because i guess whenever because this because he kills himself in the magazine so i, I guess mm -hmm. that's a lineup whenever the magazine went on sale mm. um i like it but i'm also very aware that it is unearned mm -hmm. uh I honestly think it would have made sense had we seen Volt really do anything other than sort of complain. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it, right. In this volume. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, I, I'm not mistaken in saying this is like the second or third time we've seen a chief judge kill himself. Didn't the chief judge kill himself in Necropolis? Uh, yeah, I think, I think I'm that's fairly right. Sure, like a chief judge kill himself for, like early in, in this run as well. Mm -hmm. it's fine it feels like it happens more as a dramatic moment as, as dramatic closure yes than, than is something that's fully earned by the story but i also don't like massively dislike it either mm -hmm. you know it 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 it, it feels unearned 
I think, yeah, I think it feels unearned. I think it's sort of Wagner kept pointing or suggesting that there was maybe a kind of larger story to get there with Volt, and he never did, or at least you never kind of really get to see that. Because one of the things that I think is is interesting is, for the most part, Dredd has the utmost respect for Volt, for the majority of Volt's tenure. There's a little bit toward the end where Dredd is dismayed and disappointed that Volt, it more or less comes out that Volt has totally 100% signed off on shit that Edgar's doing as opposed to Edgar doing it behind Volt's back. I think, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and I think there is the groundwork, perhaps, to have something that could be really interesting in which Dread either ends up disillusioned with Volt or more or less realizing that, you know, as as you would suspect, Dread doesn't want to be chief judge because he knows that there are choices that the chief has to make that Dredd himself would not find tenable. Um, but all of that said, I think I think that could have been really interesting, but, but instead you kind of get Volt being like, oh gosh, this is, oh, what a bad turn of events. There's so many people to blame for this, but it's really going to be on my neck. And, and I think that might have, and then he kills himself. And it might have been very interesting to see Volt be essentially... The the guy who was so um, invested in his rep and spent so much time keeping it and maintaining it that he even fooled Dread, I guess. And then this story would have a little bit of a punch to it with the idea that Volt is so horrified that, you know, basically this whole event, it shows his shows him up for the imposter that he's always believed himself to be, which is why he's worked so hard to hide it. I mean, um, I, I find the whole there's so many people to blame thing really weird. Yeah. Right? Uh, it's, you know, just as I am not sold on the idea that Mega City 1 was overrun. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Uh, I'm also not sold on the idea that it is a massive failing of the judges to have not seen this coming. Right. Or that's not true. Or that it is a massive failing of the uh, psychic judges to have not seen this coming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it is, in some respects, it's a massive fail- failure of the judge bureaucracy. You know, that it seems like one person was controlling all their technology, or for that matter, that they've outsourced the manufacturing of their weapons and not checked them out. Well, I, I mean, one of the things that I thought was kind of when the story was set in place, uh, you know, the, the, the one of the setup stories shows the MK2 being tested. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you find out that it, you know, it is more or less being set up. It's a Trojan horse. You know, it's a much better gun that is more efficient and is cost less. And Dredd's like, eh, I mean, it seems okay, but I don't. I feel like we're rushing into something. And everyone's like, look, it's cheaper and better, and there's no reason why we can't rush into it. I thought that 
that area was was really compelling like the idea that the judges fail that marcos is able to conquer them by you know them being a government agency and being hamstrung by budgets and you know sweetheart contracts and things like that but you but don't that really see that play out story right what's that, that no just, no exactly that not being story. the story is yes. why didn't the psychic see it coming you know well when right you see in this like they did it's just that right. no one listened it's so yeah. it's i don't know it feels i guess that is there to to lead up to faults you know full killing himself mm-hmm. but it again it feels unearned yeah right in part because you've got a scene where you have a sub meeting with hershey where where they talk about that vision and yeah. then being like not giving it a lot of weight but not dismissing it entirely and kicking it up the chain and you don't even see volt in the room like you know so it's all very yeah it's all, it's it's just a mess it kind of feels like there was something that was supposed to go there like placeholder yeah, there stuff some, there was something there that wasn't there yeah yeah exactly we have not talked enough about the art in this volume oh yeah you're right yeah because the art in this volume really goes from the highs to the lows we've talked about andrew curry not being the right person for uh the demarco story yes you know we've talked about neil gooch not being the right person for the 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 end of the orlock oh yeah part of it mm-hmm. we've not talked about like colin wilson's art and this is fucking amazing yes yeah yeah, yeah. Stuff looks great cam kennedy's stuff looks great Oh, God, Kemp Kennedy's... I mean, see, that's part of the problem, is is the first 50 pages of this or so... Yeah, is an intoxicating high. Um, the Mick McMahon stuff is It's nuts, and I love it. Oh, it's so good. Mick McMahon and, stuff is genuine. You know, for all I've complained about cartoonish art, McMahon mm-hmm. comes in and he's just like, fuck it. Everyone is basically drawn in the same way that I'm drawing Sonic right now. And I yeah. don't give a shit. And yeah. everyone is misshapen, and it's amazing. It is. It's so good. Fabulous. It is really fabulous. It is so but at the same time, extraordinary. Like, that's in War Games, which has one, two, three, four, five, six, six artists for seven chapters of a story. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just. And that's one of the big problems with this book. Mm-hmm. There is no continuity in art. Right. You know, you yeah. get Kennedy and and Davis being the main artists, or being the sole artists for their, their chapters, right? right? And then they just go, well, let's just flip between artists willy-nilly. And when you have, you know, Neil Gooch, McMahon, Charlie Adler, Andy Clark, Stephen Baskerville, and Colin Wilson all drawing one story, they don't draw similarly at all. There's a no. moment where he flips mm-hmm. from Baskerville to Wilson. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I mean... The, the disconnect is shocking. Oh, it, the the transition from McMahon to Adlard is uh, abrupt, to put it mildly. You know, yeah, and it, and it's it's so dramatic that mm-hmm. it really does take you out of the reading experience. Yeah, yeah. Like even if even if you're good at start, you know, massaging all this away, and honestly, if you've been reading Dread in 2008 for a while, you have become good at massaging that away. It happens a lot, but right. here it's just, I mean. War Games is shocking in its discontinuity visually. 
Well, um, and maybe that's also because I think that the the classic ability to parse that comes from the idea of like it's usually different stories. You know what I mean? Every once in a while, like the the back in the 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 the, the dark ages of the case files, where you would just have like con- continuing continued stories, and you would have completely disparate artists drawing parts two and three like a lot of that sort of got massaged out of the way and this event ends up really bringing that back to the fore of it's one big story and honestly it's clear that editorials just scrambling to make sure that the stories that the that the pages get in and fuck the idea of I mean, honestly, having the characters be recognizable for the most part from stories, stories from page to page and artist to artist is pretty good. You know, Narcos, I don't like this dumbass robot head that he slaps on himself. But for the most part, you're like, okay, there's the judge with the eye patch, you know. But the fact that you've got something as amazing as McMahon having all the Brit judges have the blue star on their chin which is an awesome look and then it just disappears is kind of heartbreaking yeah no it's 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 a real shame you know Mm -hmm. it it really is a shame and again it's a shame because the highs are so high in this book Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like kennedy mcmahon and wilson are just providing amazing art And, and honestly i think Wilson's best stuff is in the DeMarco material. Mm-hmm. The bit mm-hmm. where DeMarco is is flying the like the, the little mini jet thing. Mm-hmm. There's some movie shit in there. It's amazing. Yeah, like yeah. it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. But then he shares that that story with Mike Collins, and bless Mike Collins. Mike Collins mm-hmm. is a journeyman who gets the job done, but mm-hmm. he is not in the same league, mm-hmm. and it, it oh, yeah. really is a problem in this book. Yeah. I think. Yeah, and um, I mean, I like Adlard. As you know, I like Charlie Adlard's art a lot. And I think I think his work here is really strong concern, considering it's relatively early in Adlard's career in some ways. Um, but is is really strong. It just is almost um, psychotically different from the artist that he's right next to. Yeah. You so know? Yeah. yeah, and so it's... It's it's a real head snapper, but yeah, there's some there's so much beautiful art here. There's, and... there's some genuinely amazing art in this book, mm-hmm. and, and the sad thing is that it is right for the most part right next to art that is not amazing. Well, you or know? even I, I, mean, I mean, you know, you get Kennedy and Davis next to each other. Yeah, they are astonishingly different artists, but right. I think both of them are really good artists, and so and again, you have the chapter break essentially. Davis well, you have exactly when gets to when he gets the new Kremlin. And so, you know, you can mentally be like, well, different locale, things look different. But when well, you get like war games and they're running down a corridor, yes. and they start that corridor as Mick McMahon, and they end that corridor as like Charlie Adler, <laughs> you're like, what? Yeah, completely, completely. I, I think that, and that's what sort of breaks my heart, is, is the return of the assassin and the trial are, you know a perfect way to present how you can have two completely different artists um, tell two parts of one story. And because they're telling different parts, 
it works perfectly. The trial kicks into closer to a tight interior drama. It's a lot of interior scenes. It's a lot of close-ups on faces and it's a lot of facial acting. So it's, it's perfect for Simon Davis, you know, and whereas the early return of the assassin stuff covers this wide range of locales and scenes and action and, and and with with everyone being more guarded around one another and so it works perfectly to have to have cam kennedy have it where everyone's sort of set faces are iconic you know but also kind of stoic like it just it just works and then towards the end it's clear in a way that we haven't I feel haven't seen a while. It's a mad scramble just to make sure that the pages get out the door, and it's yeah. And the story, the story suffers for it. Well, <laughs> the story, yes. Although, again, because of whatever's going on with that Wagner, the story already has like a strike against it. So yeah, but like I, I think that Wagner is, uh, I don't know, doing his best, but is. You know, even when Wagner is not firing in all cylinders, which, you know, I think it's fair to say this book is. Right. He can still be hurt by some dumb art choices. Oh, very much so. Very much so. And again, like, that or, or opening games, I of... think, reads a lot more pedestrian because of the, the artistic changes. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe, crazy idea, maybe if the artists had been consistent, we would have known which judges had been killed. Which <laughs> judges had died, we'd know who they were. Right. I mean, you know, I, th- I, mean, I think really, there's that. Yeah. I've introduced, but my point well, stands, damn it. I think, I think one of the things is that, that I would say is, is that part of what's happening with war games is it's all supposed to be a very fast moving scenario. And because you've got so many artists there and because Wagner is telling things in a super lean style, um, you're not supposed to be as confused as you are during that stage. And so, yeah, it's just the, the fact that that section, which would have benefited so much from having one consistent artist, the way they had in the first 80 pages of this volume, where, where it's two different artists at 40 page chunks would have helped it so much. And it's clear they just couldn't make that happen. So it's, it's, it is, it's such a shame. I think Drock, but I'm closer to going maybe it's Dross than I have been with any other volume recently. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I I get that. Because, first of all, it opens really strongly. Oh, yeah. Yep. I mean, just astonishingly strongly. Yep. But also, there are things, even in the bits that don't work, that I still find myself smiling about. Mm, mm-hmm. And I think I think it's far more true for me than it is for you, because I'm like uh, I like to mark as a PI. I like to see the shape of that story, even if I don't think it's done particularly well. Mm-hmm. Or I like I said, I like the joke about Narcos promised that he'd have the soap operas running, right? You know, yeah. But mm-hmm. but those are small pleasures in in stories that otherwise don't work. Yeah. Um... Right, I I get that. I think I think that um, 
I feel after hammering you so tough on this, I'm like, Grant, don't be so hard on this volume. <laughs> For real? <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I'm t- I'm kidding. It's just me. I'm I'm aware that I'm 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 being a bit of a shit in the sense that I think that I think the case files thirty is definitely is Drock with a with a big asterisk, and like you said, I mean. The first, the first eighty pages of this are so strong, are but so there's good. a lot. They're so good, so good, so good, and there's a lot of it that was. Um, I was on such a high that reading it the first time through. Um, this is one of the few volumes that I more or less read. I think where I read the case files all in one sitting. You know, oh god, um, I can I can only imagine that to be honest because it, it's it really I. It really does feel like a bit of a nosedive. Yeah, and well, and that's it. Maybe because of reading it that way, I was like, "Oh my god, this is so great!" And then around war games, I'm like, "Wow, this is super fabulous and engaging." And then it was kind of that thing of like, "Oh, the the payoff isn't going to happen." And then weirdly enough, of course, because of the, the way the materials like um, you presented, you're like flashback. Yes, exactly. You're like, okay, I, I, now that you I, I, know... Can we talk about that for a second? Because mm-hmm. the payoff doesn't happen. The, right. the end of the Narcos thing is like, it's not even a shootout. Narcos basically comes out and goes, well, fuck no, fucked around, found out, and then yes. gets shot. <laughs> yes. And that is one of the only scenes that does repeat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, which is weird, because it's such an anticlimax. And yet yeah. we get read twice. Mhm. Mhm. Right. So so getting to the point of like oh shit this didn't work out and then it being like hey and because it didn't work out you get to revisit it for another 120 pages and see it not work out from a different angle is is hard. It's rough, you know. All that said, I would still say it's rock cuz some of the highs are great. <laughs> I really would. I feel that I've spent half of this episode being like, yeah, it's not working, and yet there's things I like, and you're like, you're full of shit. And yes. And then at the end, you're the one who's like, no, no, I think it's good. Yeah, yep, yeah. No, well, because I think, because I think that the, the stuff that is good is so goddamn good. And it's, the stuff that, that first, is... the first, like, 75... 80 pages, isn't it? 80, 80 pages is fabulous. And there are bits and pieces Hang after on, that. I'm, that I'm are curious. Enjoying. Because in that material, you have the trial, which you hate, apparently, because it is justifying the Apocalypse War, and it's retconning everything. But that counts as good for you? So here's the thing, Graham. Here's the thing. It doesn't surprise me that you're misrepresenting that, because I think (laughs) as your spirited defense of this volume shows, your grasp of nuance is dicey at best, but... uh, yeah, I'm such a dick. No, I... I, <laughs> I am just hanging up on you right now. <laughs> you should. You really should. I apologize. I do not mean to be this much of a shit. Um, for me, like, the trial, what I... I don't like what Wagner is doing there, but I love how he's doing it. You know, the Orlock versus Dread with... Anderson more or less in the middle of it all and having to more or less save all of them 
through her own resources and wit, her undercutting them without without Wagner undercutting the story really works. Like it's three strong personalities that Wagner is able to write perfectly well. And then and then in the trial, you see those mixes of themselves in a way that is it's just it's excellently written and and i think davis does a great job delivering on the art of it like it makes sense that dread's like i'm not going to participate and orlock being like i'm going to fucking sink this case even though i've been ordered to make it look good and anderson being like fuck it okay i'm going to have to do this and then later all of them coming together to try and get out with their heights like all of that is super enjoyable it's just at the same time, I think that it's worth pointing out that what's like, happening I think it is reprehensible. <laughs> is is yeah, it's it's a it's a shade repugnant. I mean, I let's put it this way. I I would be less concerned about it if um because I think I think it's very cleverly done that, that Wagner is able to come up and, and present a pretty good case for the most part of why Dredd does what he does. It's it's but it's also, I think, dangerously disingenuous. And again, it's all being put in the mouth of somebody that I feel that as readers of 2000 AD and Dread, it's coming from a character that we are trained to more or less trust. Um, and maybe if I had read a whole bunch of the other space hippie to be um, Grant stuff, I, I would see Anderson as a more... Um, I wouldn't necessarily have that response. But like I said, I do. There's all sorts of stuff that's very interesting here. And in, also in that I think that the first half of this volume is Anderson and the second half of the volume is DeMarco. And I think that there's, there is another case that could be made that Anderson's role as a character does a lot of interesting counterpoint stuff to dread in a way that is less um that's a little more sophisticated and and less soap opera y than than what Wagner is I don't think it's what he's trying to do with DeMarco, but the way that it ends up coming off, which is kind of uh, like, hey, will they or won't they? Ha-cha-cha, you know? Like, and... I, so, again, I think I think this was a really fun volume to read. It just does have a very severe deflating balloon aspect to it. But I would uh, yeah, not... No, it, it is... I... When I said, you know, I can't imagine reading this in one sitting, I didn't. I read it in, I think, two or yeah. three. And mm-hmm. it, it, that's not true. I reread it in one sitting, but in my defense, I had insomnia. And right. <laughs> everything is depressing when you have insomnia anyway. So sure, that that just made sense. Sure. Um, but I do think that there's such a clear through line of Wagner starts off. Maybe Wagner is just more interested in the Orlock stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I think that the Narcos material really does demonstrate, really does show a, a level of disinterest in his part. Yeah. And also, and he calls this out in the text by putting it in Narcos's, you know, viewpoint, he doesn't know where it's going. He doesn't yeah. have a plan. The mm-hmm. plan was 
someone stealth takes over Mega City One. Mm-hmm. But he didn't know what that meant. He didn't know what was actually going to happen. And so when you get to the takeover, you don't see it. And you similarly have Wagner's own captions going, mm-hmm. eh, war's a bit strong. You know, it's just a few <laughs> hours of a skirmish. Right. right. You know, it's, you know, I, you know, I wouldn't really, you almost get the feeling that he's like, it's not really a mega epic, you guys. I mean, it is. It's fucking long. It feels, yeah. you know, an entire volume. Mm-hmm. But there is something almost uh, apologetic in the story mm-hmm. for Wagner clearly just being like, I'm just going to try and wrap this up as quickly as possible, you guys. Well, I, I think because... Just because nothing comes together. Right. Well, because I think his whole idea was, again, in that kind of weird, to me, like it's supposed to be a mirror of the Apocalypse War. You get Orlock, and then you get, you know, sci-fi war shenanigans. And I think that's all set in place. Everyone agrees that's the way they're going to go. And then when they get to it, I think Wagner's like, I'm not, I'm not into it. And so it doesn't really go anywhere. And again, there's also those times where you return to it. One of the great things about the Apocalypse War is the fact that the Soviet invading force is all other. You know what I mean? Like, you don't really see... Even Orlock, even Orlock when he's busy running around fucking shit up in, uh, once he's discovered in Black Wait, Mania... Wait, no, don't you see, like, the War Marshal Kazan and everything a lot in Apocalypse War? I'd have to go back and revisit it. I'm Maybe, fairly sure I mean, you guess do. Because I'm... I'm fairly sure they have amazing Iscara designs. <laughs> Yeah, they, sure they do, but they don't. But there's, there's no. I mean, there's no I nuance see, there. I, I think you see them a bunch. You see them, but you don't. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but it's not like you're always like, oh, wow, what are those guys up to? You know what I mean? Like, there's no, I, there's I, no I, grand I, I, I plan. Just, They're I like, disagree with me, Jeff, and I'm not even going to do it by demanding that you stick to the evidence presented or anything like that. I, I think that's me. fine. I think we should. I, I'm okay with it. I'm like, yeah, Graham, I, if only you knew what the dread story of 2035 that hasn't even been published yet has coming down I, the line, I, you'd see I, I'm I right. I think there, I think you see a, a lot of the of the, the East Mag judges and that, of the soft judges. You do, but you don't necessarily see them do anything that's not snidely whiplash-esque, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, the temptation say everyone was kind of snidely whiplash-esque in that story. Yes, that, I, in many ways, someone would have argued that that was my point, but that person will not be me, Graham. <laughs> All right, so, Graham, anything else to say? I think we both said that no, it's Brock I, I, and time, time to, to exit. There will be show notes up for this uh, episode on waitwhatpodcast.com on Monday. Uh, we have a Twitter account at waitwhatpodcast, Jeff's Twitter account at lazybastard at L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D, and I have a Twitter account at Graham M at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. Uh, and we are a Patreon-supported podcast, which means Jeff is about to say this right now, starting now. Jeff, yes. go. Listeners, you are great. You're not as great as Graham, who puts up with probably too much of my shit, and I, I am I'm so very sorry. 
But you listeners are also great because not only do you put up with my shit, but um, because you are not being cruelly attacked by me, you um, you get a chance to enjoy it. You also have passed along many a fine tip, reading suggestion, uh, point of correction. Um, y'all should definitely check out the show notes. I think over at Wait What Podcast podcast.com for every episode but especially um drock has some excellent excellent listeners who throw in some really incisive and brilliant commentary pretty much guaranteed for every episode i i truly enjoy making it a point to dip over and read the comments on on those episodes in particular um and I also want to point out the fine folks at Patreon who are uh, just gems because, among other things, in addition to giving us their attention, they also give us a little bit of their hard-earned dosh, which is fabulous. It makes it easier for us to um, pick up more comics and stay uh, in tune with uh, what's going on and excited and engaged. Uh, it also um, holds us to certain standards um we do an amazing job especially considering what a turd i am um doing three episodes a month uh and have for years now and one of those episodes is a stretch goal as the kids used to say way back when in prehistory um of which uh baxter building our uh read through the first 416 issues of the fantastic four plus extras um, and Drock, this monthly read-through, are um, a direct result of the patrons' patronage. We're incredibly grateful to you, and thank you. We have special thanks, as always, for Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, for her continuing support of this podcast. This episode... I, uh, first of all, I feel like say this episode was brought to you by Squarespace, but that's purely <laughs> uh, my stamps.com. Exactly yeah. Right. Uh, this episode went off the rails somewhere, and I'm not quite sure where, but mm. I can tell you that we're back next week with a regular weight bot, <laughs> and then in a month with uh, Drock episode for 34. I was going to say 43, wishful thinking. <laughs> episode 34. Uh, where we are presumably talking about Case Files 31. Unless, Jeff, you want to take me up on a random challenge. Ooh, tell me more about this random challenge, Graham. You want to read some Strontium Dog instead? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's, uh, let's... We're going to read, and I'm going to... This is going to feel strange for people, but go with me. We're going to read Strontium Dog Case Files Volume 2. Wow. All right. Uh, in two. part because uh, Case Files Volume 1 is material from Star-Lord, not from 2000 AD. Hmm. In Case Files Volume 2, I'm pretty sure it starts the 2000 AD material, and I'm also pretty sure it's got Portrait of a Mutant, which is the closest that Strontium Dog, which is written by Wagner Grant and drawn by Carl Scarra, for almost all of it, came to a mega epic. Hmm. Okay. Sounds uh, great. Yes, that, that's what we're going to do instead, just to just to switch things up. I, I That sounds great. That sounds great. I think it's a good idea. People seem very excited. I think when you and I were tweeting or... No, I think it was in the last episode where you talked about having us read Strontium Dog. A lot of comments were like, yes, you guys should do that immediately. And, uh, you know, maybe it'll, it'll teach me a lesson about, you know, taking things down a notch or two. Uh, I, I think... <laughs> 
<laughs> I think I'm I'm far too wedded to my ideas on dread now, and and I think it's I think it's a, probably a good time to 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 change things up so that I can be. Well, I, I, honestly, I'm hoping that it's going to be fun for you because it's Wagner and Grant from like 2008 Prox's 200. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, from like the the era of dread where you know Case Files Five and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm hoping that it is going to get you going, oh, this is great. It's not the same sort of thing at all, but it's also the same sort of thing. Right, right. No, I'm I'm very excited to check it out. And to be fair, everyone, again, weirdly enough, despite my 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 traditional pulling apart of each bit and piece of the case files, um, this got a drock, as did the previous. So I'm still a fan, question mark. So... It's the, it's uncertainty that makes it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you think so, Graham. It's the complete <laughs> uncertainty of, are you fun? Are you not? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, and, so in a month, yeah. uh, our our Christmas present for ourselves. Yes. Because it is, of course, December next month. Oh, you're uh, right. It's between Strontium Dog. Yeah, fabulous. That look sounds great. See, I thought of the Christmas tea. See yeah, thing. look at that. Yeah, I was good. thinking. I was yeah. thinking, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> hey, Jeff. I, yes. I don't know this, but this is a drug, which means you sing of that. You are right, Graham. That is the sort of thing that always catches me off guard and completely baffles me when it's time to say, Drock, you're under arrest, citizen. Report to the isocubes, and we'll see you in 30. <laughs> 